The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and my guest is Robin Kennedy. Robin and I discuss how it feels to be a woman on a daily basis in today's world, from everyday harassment and sexism, and also more severe incidents such as physical and sexual assault. We look at the dangers faced by women, big and small, every time they leave the house, and what men can do to help, both through their own behaviours and interventions. And we discuss the damaging impact that pornography can have, particularly in influencing the behaviours of younger men in today's society. And as always, we cover plenty more. Police Scotland's Don't Be That Guy campaign is encouraging men to face up to the fact that male sexual entitlement is every man's problem and one that can't be ignored. Visit www.thatguy.co.uk for further information and material around the subject. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it. Cheers. Robin, thanks very much for taking time out this morning to come and sit and have this conversation. Thanks for inviting me, Sean. The, um, I suppose the first thing before we kind of set the scene of what we're discussing, we'll talk about you. Tell me a wee bit or tell the person listening, you know, a wee bit about where you're from, your kind of background and growing up. Um, so I'm Robin and I am from Glasgow, born and raised in Glasgow. Um, I've moved around a little bit, but I came back at the start of the... Well, pretty much the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm a yoga teacher and a personal trainer. Uh, so I work and live in Glasgow, worked from home. And yeah, I had a pretty standard upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, single child. I'm quite, this is for my curiosity, how you ended up doing this sort of yoga stuff. Because you were working, was it in Edinburgh? You were working for social, a company social bite at one point. Yeah, so I mean... If you name a job, I've done it. <laughs> I've done everything. Worked in retail. I've taught yoga for like five and a half years, like sort of part time. And went to London for a bit. Did like a job scouting locations for uh, Sweaty Betty, like the retail store. And then moved back to Glasgow, worked in hospitality, worked for Social Bite very briefly. And then came back here, worked for Scotch Rugby. And then I just realised like I kind of wanted to do movement. Like I wanted to work in personal training and yoga mm-hmm. full time and I'd never taken the leap and then just decided two months ago to do it full time. And that's now what I do. Was that something you always did just kind of as a hobby, like as a pastime? Yeah, so it was just always kind of side hustle. Mm-hmm. I never really took it very seriously, even though I, I loved it. And it was like, I've always wanted to do it and I hated office work. I hated any, I, I just don't, really don't like having a boss, to be honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm the same. You also had a, a wee um, short stint in, in the TV industry of oh. sorts because you kind of pop up my TV every now and again and I'm always like, no way, there's Robin. On the uh, yeah, ITV dinner dates or ITVB. It's on ITVB. Oh, it? Yes, the best channel. Yeah, how was that? that, that did was you good. want to have anything to do with television or did it sort of did it lift the, the curtain and you saw the smoking mirrors behind it all? Um, it was a very interesting experience. I'll mm. say that. That was like five years ago. My my favourite story you told me about that is they gave you like 
was it 150 pound to get a taxi home for Edinburgh and you got the train yeah of course Genius. of course I did because <laughs> it's I think that was at the time that was the taxi journey because like the last date I went on if you've ever if you've ever watched dinner dates it's you go on three dates and then you have to go on a final date mm-hmm. at the end and then they, they pay for everything they give you expenses but the taxi from Glasgow to Edinburgh Edinburgh to Glasgow was like it was close to like 100 quid yeah. and I was like am I getting the a taxi home, no you way. Sell to Waverley, get yes. a bit's meal deal <laughs> and profit. Um, as I've kind of explained in the intro, what we are here to talk about is there's a campaign for Police Scotland called Don't Be That Guy. And we will kind of go over these things are things that, that men kind of just don't realise that women kind of go through on the day to day. Because if you're not somebody who sort of exhibits these behaviours to people, then it's very likely you might just not be aware that they exist unless you've had the conversation or like I always think when I hear things I'm like oh that that must be an isolated incident but it's not really it's something that kind of happens all the time I kind of will jump about because I've got loads of sort of topics and sort of points I want to talk about but first of all if you don't mind we'll talk about childhood Mm -hmm. sort of experiences of children being sexualized that might sound really sinister or horrendous to somebody but what I mean by that is from wee small things like, is that your wee boyfriend? You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do you have any memories of, of that kind of happening or of looking back, kind of looking and going, well, that's a bit inappropriate or that's, you know, girls are kind of framed in a way that, that wee boys aren't. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. Um, so I, oh, I mean, there's so many things that you look back on and you think that's so inappropriate that mm. we are exposed to that I think at such a young age and the language used around it I think the language used around it is the most interesting thing Mm -hmm. so even the way that girls are spoken to versus boys so I was talking to someone about this we were talking to their like little boy and like little baby and boys are told from a really young age like oh you're so handsome and you're so you're gonna like break hearts and girls are kind of I don't know we're, we're not really spoken to in a way to sort of be told that we're as good I Mm -hmm. I feel like men if I'm saying this right I I think that men are given this sort of free pass that they're just great and women kind of have to earn that yeah I mean there's there's, sorry to interrupt just something you've kind of put in, in my mind is like um and again, there may be people listening, they'll go, oh, fuck, you can't see anything these days. It's more of a, just a wee subtle thing yeah. that, that sort of contributes to the overall then gender disparity. As you're saying, it'll be, um, you know, because I remember, you know, people saying that to me, mm-hmm. oh, you'll be like, oh, this stuff just kind of kidding you on, heartbreaker. But when it's a girl, it's, it's maybe they'll kind of say, oh, you're going to be a nun when you're older. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, hold on a minute. So wait a minute, because when you actually kind of unpick that and unpack that, and you're like, okay, let's extrapolate upon that. So what you're saying is that you think she's going to be sexually attractive and therefore there's a chance of promiscuity. So therefore you're going to have to just ensure that she's a nun. And you're like, that's a really weird thing to say to like a, a kid. But even like, I remember getting dressed to go out, like, and I'm talking when I was really young, so not even like going out partying. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking going to my friend's birthday and you know like you'd, you'd want to like experiment with like different clothes and if you wore a skirt like your your dad or I'm not saying like my dad necessarily was like policing what I was wearing but some people's parents were policing mm. what they were wearing and saying you can't wear that that's inappropriate 
and I think and and then but in what way is that yeah, inappropriate inappropriate for who and do you wonder mm-hmm. if so I suppose maybe there could be like a sort of um I don't want to say innocence but um well-meaning from an adult because they know what the world is like in the same way I, I know what then the react placing yourself in finally and that's me playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. that's not me saying that that's completely completely right but do you think there is maybe a, a mix of that there, there definitely is because the, the world is not in favor of women mm. and I think unfortunately that's I think that's that's a conversation that we're probably going to have today is mm. like the world should not be like that we shouldn't have to police what women wear or how women act men should be policing themselves and we should be able to do what we want mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a difficult one isn't it because how do you how do you change the world how do you change society i suppose the answer to answer my own question mm-hmm. speaking to to someone from the communications team at police scotland and they were saying that their belief is that it has to be a multitude of small medium and large things all sort of taking place concurrently you know mm-hmm. alongside each other whether it's a conversation like this, whether it's a bigger campaign, whether it's the reaction to the awful things like you see the the poor school teacher who was murdered down in in London. Really mm-hmm. sorry, I've forgotten her name. Um, Sabina. Sabina. Um, and they say the Everard case as well. The sort of reactions to 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 those things. Um, while we're talking about sort of societal contributors to like gender disparity, let's take a wee look at media, sort of outdated stereotypes, unconscious bias. What kind of representation do you think that that you see for women in general and kind of media? Like, how does that landscape look to you? I think one one thing I've noticed is this sort of the gender stereotypes, even if they're positive, mm. can be extremely harmful. So even like this most subtlest thing of like women are more nurturing than men, I think that can be extremely harmful to just automatically brand all women as mothers and Hmm. that's sort of that's our role and then that puts us in that really gender stereotyped role of okay well that's our that's that's what we do that's and I think that feeds into the conversation of you know women will you know apply for a job but then they'll probably want to go on maternity leave so then there's an unconscious bias of okay, well, they're not going to stay for that long. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's the very small, subtle generalizations and stereotypes of women that need to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I suppose then it's, women can be faced with a question of, say, if a woman doesn't want to have children, mm-hmm. which should be neither here nor there, the question always tends to then come back to, oh, but when are you going to have kids? Mm-hmm. Or what if you run out of time or... Personally, that's something that I face. I know myself, I don't want to have children. And yeah, okay, my opinion may change. I'm 29 years old and I pretty much know myself. And that is, that's my mm-hmm. deep root feeling. But I still get presented with the question all the time. Or it gets flipped on its head and say, oh, but you'll change your mind. Mm-hmm. Or wait until you meet the right person. I'm like, you shouldn't actually have the right to say that to me. Because if a man said that, you wouldn't even question it. So that's to say that you're... It's because it's my biological... Um, it's like Biologically, I can have children, so obviously I should want to. Yeah, it's kind of like saying that, well, you're um, 
wants, desires, aspirations for yourself are actually laying dormant until mm-hmm. you have the the opposite component in, in a guy and then it'll come out. So it's just a case of when and, and not if is it the way it's being presented. And it's also putting a pressure on women that they have to meet a man to have children where two women can have children. Mm. They don't actually, well, obviously like biologically, you need something from a man, but you don't need to meet a man. Possible. Yeah, situationally yeah. it's possible. On the flip side then, those societal contributors, there was there was two from the, that were flagged up to me, uh, and and the way they can contribute to to men's, I suppose, sexual entitlement is the kind of general umbrella term. Mm-hmm. But one was um, someone was telling me about Ratatouille, you know the wee Disney film. Yes, very harmless. Okay, so, I mean you know a, a very fun wee film, um, but there's a scene in it I think where. Oh God, I may be totally getting this wrong now. I'm now going to have to like go back in the archives because I yeah, don't know if I can remember this I, film. I believe there's a scene in it in, I think, the wee guy in the kitchen, the wee chef, asks to kiss the female chef. Okay. And she says, oh, there's nothing worse than being asked to be kissed. Ooh. Now that's pretty mental when you actually think, because some wee six-year-old will look at it and... And we'll go, oh, right, okay. So you're not meant to ask. You just kind of do it. And there's these wee small sort of incremental things. And that's harmless. And like within the context of the film, it's probably, you could argue that she was saying, fuck, I just really like you. And I wish you would just kind of take control and kiss me. And you're like, but, you know, Mm -hmm. for kids watching that, then they will then just see that as, well, that's just kind of how it's always meant to be. And then when you kind of go further up the scale, the whole... um, image of like like the Clint Eastwood alpha male dominant and then people will watch these things kind of growing up and you know that's what you're constantly exposed to and you're being bombarded with these things and that, those are two examples I'm taking of what will be millions and millions and and that kind of then contributes to I suppose like a, something we'll go on to speak about and, and how all these things all accumulate to to influence, you know, people's behaviour or, or expectations of what is kind of kind of normal behaviour. Um, with regards to something else, I wanted to talk about quote unquote harmless and sort of subtle examples of sexism and harassment. Then mm-hmm. that women are likely to face. I mean, please, by all means, I'll take a back seat here, a passive role, because you are the one with the experience. I'm kind of referring to from unwanted conversation, being told to smile, mm-hmm. going further up the severity ladder, if you will, to like unwanted physical contact or kind of even worse. Let's tell me about just a sort of day to day experience. What from from leaving the house to coming back in? Mm-hmm. What type what type of things would you encounter? I mean, I don't know one single woman in my circle of friends and wider that has not experienced at least on a daily basis the very smallest subtlest thing and it can be anything from and I know that there will be men listening that roll their eyes or think oh I can't you can't do anything right um but I think like it's these small incremental changes that will have a huge impact as you said on the way that women feel around men um, but also will then start to help men realise it is the small things. 
And it's the calling out of those small things that will then start to create behavioral change. It will take time. But I mean, even like personally, I find being told that like by a man that he'll carry something heavy because he doesn't think that I should be carrying it. So um, like obviously I work around gyms and I'm very capable of lifting heavy things. I'm a very small person and I know my limitations so I will tell you if I can't lift something. Mm. Um, men opening doors for me in a chival- in a chivalrous way, not just a polite way. So they think it's women should go first. And that has like, that harks back to like archaic type. I just, I, I think like a man intentionally opening a door for a woman because I'm a woman is a little bit of a sexist Mm. move that, I don't that care that would be a divisive one I would that say is a di- I think it is a divisive yeah. one I mean you're fully entitled to your opinion not mm. tell you what's right or wrong I mean I hold a door for anybody I yeah. hold a door for everybody so um, the, the origins of that I believe are it's like an after you thing so back in like caveman days women would get sent out like if there was um, like danger outside apparently like women would get sent away first so that the men could then go and look for the danger (laughs) yeah (laughs) i understand but yeah apparently like women would get sent out first so that the men could then go and like look after the danger or like women would get originally i think in again the chivalrous sense women would go first into like a safe place but then men would go first if it was unsafe or unknown Mm. and it's like a sort of like after you thing but I know, I know that one is quite. Yeah, that would be extremely divisive. But yeah, the caveman days we've discussed that will come back into twenty twenty one. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, let's just like coming back to things that that would make you feel uncomfortable, or, or you know, do, do people say that? See, if somebody said to me, people have I, I have got memories of being younger and like an adult going smile, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I'm not meant like my is my default set meant to be the F like the Cheshire cat like shut up <laughs> yeah is you know is that something people will say yeah you do get it a lot like on public transport I mean like obviously we're all wearing masks at the moment but I remember a couple of years ago like sitting on public transport and like you you know like going to work you're miserable <laughs> you don't don't want to go to work or something uh, and then like someone across the like across from you will be like smile or see you walking through a door and be like oh come on smile. I, I just don't get it. Like, Aye, why like, would you? If, like, you're not. A, like, I'm not a, obliged a, to. It's not a beauty pageant. You're not mm. like walking down a runway. Um, if I was on a train and I saw somebody just sent me a mad smile, I would move carriage. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like really nervous. I'm like, this person's about to do something really, you know, dangerous or violent yeah. or severe. Why would you be sitting like that? Um, the, I mean, to kind of go back to the sort of harassment side, you know, what about like mm. sort of nights out, like unwanted physical contact? Like, I, I can never understand that why somebody puts their hand on somebody's back mm-hmm. or, you know, finds a way to, I don't know, touch them. It's just, it's really, it's it's not nice, is it? No, not at all. And I think a lot of people will argue that alcohol obviously loosens everyone's inhibitions. And I think people act in ways or, or get a bit more touchy-feely than they would be otherwise but it's just like point blank not appropriate to touch someone without their consent like I'm huge on consent and from past experience like 
very bad past experiences. And I think like, even going back to the Ratatouille thing, like if someone was to just like launch themselves at me, which has happened in the past, Mm. I would be like, you did not ask my permission to kiss me. Like, why would Mm. you? So why would someone feel the need to like touch me or even on my lower back or even on my shoulder unnecessarily when I do not know you, I'm in a strange place, there's alcohol involved. Like I'm immediately feeling threatened. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it kind of comes back to the the sort of entitlement thing. Like maybe have you ever been in an experience, and I'm sorry, I'm just kind of peppering questions mm-hmm. at you, but an experience where uh, it was something that was flagged up where um, it kind of goes from the smaller things like the touch, like unnet, like going out your way to touch somebody and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, you kind of see it and you're like, what are you doing? Like you don't need to be doing that. That's a kind of on the lower end of the scale, but then on the higher end of the scale, there's maybe somebody buying somebody loads of drinks and then thinking, well, there's got to be some sort of transactional thing here or something return, you know, is that? Yeah, I, th- I think any kind of intentional action like that, whether it be financial or physical, mm-hmm. it then becomes a transaction to some people. I think because they, they think I've done this for you and then you get the men that turn around and go oh well I didn't want it anyway like if you say no and that's quite an like that's quite a common reaction of like I bought you drinks like why aren't you interested in me and it's like well I didn't ask you to mm-hmm. so I would just like personally just don't say yes unless yeah you don't give people that ammunition even though it's not justified do you think there's like an unspoken um perception then from let's just say and and that if we're taking that extreme situation where somebody's thinking well if she's saying yes to the drinks then that must mean that that's like a um like a what's the word i'm looking for like an invitation or like a like an unspoken acceptance of okay yeah this is what's going to happen i yes because People don't understand consent. Sorry, I'm going to like bang on about consent a lot because people do not understand that you can withdraw consent. Even if you've said yes to drinks from someone and you've like had a nice time with them, mm-hmm. you can then turn around and be like, that's that's enough, thank you. What is consent? How is that kind of formulated? How is that agreed? Through conversation, through communication. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I think that's something that's lacking because we've been taught from such a young age through films, through media, through TV that men and women have this telepathic tele- telepathic te- te- that's tele- easy for you to say <laughs> telepathic telepathic <laughs> um ability to know what each other want like the film what women want yeah right we have all just got to understand that Women want this, men want that. We all have conversations with our pals about, oh, he said this in a text, he said that in a text. Do you know the most easy thing to know what someone wants? Ask them. Ask them. That is so true. That is such a great point. I think there are that is probably the root of a lot of of issues, mm-hmm. um, is that people make assumptions. And I I really think again there'll be some pedant who will be like, actually, like <laughs> in response to me saying this, but I think on the whole, men and women are different creatures, different mm-hmm. animals, different thought processes, different brains, you know, function in completely different ways. And we see the world, we as we can sometimes very often look at, like I can, see I could look at you and I would see 
your world through my eyes, like through the prism of how I see the mm-hmm. world and how my brain then functions. And it's why I think it's funny when like people try and like guys and girls trying to work out each other's text messages and hidden meanings. And I always think you're never going to be able to actually dissect that and get it right because you just think in two totally different ways. And like we, so then making assumptions and you, you said they're based on like film again, coming back to this daffy example, but the Ratatouille thing, like it's the patriarchy though. Like it's, it's the first time I'm going to mention that. Like everyone should take a no, shot every time I say the patriarchy. On you, on you go. But it is like, it's a, we live in a patriarchal society and we see everything through the eyes of that where men are more superior. Mm. Whether we inherently believe it or not, that is what we have been brought up to believe. And it's ingrained in us so much that when women express themselves, it is seen as confronting, it is seen as difficult. When men listen to women's stories or women's experiences, it makes them feel angry because they believe that, well, like yourself or anyone that sees themselves as an ally gets angry, upset and annoyed because they can't imagine themselves doing it. But Mm. guaranteed, you know, somebody that has acted inappropriately or has sexually harassed or assaulted someone. And that will make you uncomfortable Mm. because that's not how we've been brought up to believe that men and women interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you mean. And I can not to say that, yeah, it's fine that someone would that react angrily. I suppose anger, I mean, this is me being a total amateur psychologist here, but it's maybe like a first, it's maybe like one facet of just an inability to to, to process something or or like a sort of denial or, or mm-hmm. just thinking that that can't be. Because if you're, it's kind of like if when you challenge somebody's worldview mm-hmm. and they've all, on, on any sort of matter, whether it's racism or homophobia or anything like that, it's kind of like you just, your brain just can't, can't compute it. Um, one thing I want to talk about, and we've, I suppose we've got a, from my end, a slight, I'll tell my story. Okay. What we were talking about, kind of walking oh, here. Right, okay, yeah. Um, and we will compare and contrast. Yeah. Um, with how it feels to be a woman on a daily basis versus a man. So in a nutshell, I was, um, during lockdown, I cycled everywhere. Or I, walk, I just went walks all the time. And the two examples are, I remember putting up like an Instagram story and it was, I think I got restless and it's like midnight mm-hmm. and I'm out walking about and it's dark and I've got a podcast on and I'm listening to music or whatever. And then maybe I put up an Instagram story. And a lot of the replies I got were for like women saying, wow, you're brave. Mm-hmm. Can I believe you're doing that? And it really didn't register in my brain what they meant. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just listening to a podcast and walking about, kind of hood up and hat on and all that. I can't really see what's around me. Didn't even cross my mind once that that could be, could be a problem. And I, I really didn't, I genuinely was like, I'm not really sure what these are meaning here. I thought they just meant as if, oh, it's dark and it's scary. And the other one was kind of funny. Um, I went cycling for miles and I went into Pollock Park for the first time and I was cycling about like wow this place is amazing this is cool and then just click a finger it's pitch black mm-hmm. and I couldn't see where I had no idea where I was going and I was looking on the, the maps on my phone trying to get to like the nearest road and it's sending me up this dark dark wee foot and the path had been removed so it was just like this muddy wee lane or this muddy wee path trees couldn't see anything 
and I was like sort of Instagram story documenting this because it was funny. Like to me, it was funny. I was like, right, I've got no clue where I am. Didn't scare me in any way. And then it was not too long after the Sarah Everard thing happened mm-hmm. where the, um, what was the story? So she was like walking home. So she or- did everything that we are taught as women to do. She was wearing bright clothing. She had text someone to say that she was on her way. I think she was actually on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry if I get this com- completely wrong, but she, I'm pretty sure she was on the phone to her boyfriend or her partner or somebody she had left and told someone where she was going it wasn't it was dark but yeah she was wearing bright clothing and she'd done everything that we are like the checklist of things that you're Mm. supposed to do and she still she was murdered murdered and then at that point it sort of the conversation really flared up Mm. like across society like everybody was kind of talking about it and then it was at that point i kind of realized i was like oh right that's what people were talking about Mm. So I'm in such a fortunate position where I don't even need to think about it. Mm-hmm. Literally, my biggest concern was like a bunch of wee guys were going to beat me up and take my bike off me. But that was kind of the joke I was making. Like that's obviously wasn't going to happen. And that was completely fine. Like I was cycling about. I was walking about like kind of late at night. I'd get restless and I would go and do that because I was bored. So we were kind of talking about how completely different, you know, your experiences are. You know, to compare and contrast that then, like, let's just say, if I can give you a few examples, like, say, coming home from nights out, you know, walking home from work or from the gym mm-hmm. or being in public transport. And I'm sure a lot of, pretty much 99.9% of women are going to be able to relate with what mm-hmm. you're saying. So in a sense, you kind of do have the the right to speak on behalf of of everybody here. So I think it's like, excuse me if I get this wrong, but I think it's like 97% of women have been sexually harassed in the UK and my walk home is not your walk home Mm. at all we're not scared of the dark yeah we're scared of men and can I just say in such mm -hmm. as my level of naivety Mm -hmm. that I genuinely thought people were talking about being scared of the dark and I I think a lot of people do think that that is the the issue is like Mm. women don't want to go out at night (laughs) and I'm like no and that's the thing, living in Scotland, the nights are getting darker and darker, earlier and earlier, 4pm eventually, it's going to be dark. And it, it limits, I know, <laughs> it limits what women are able to do. I think I saw a poll on Instagram recently and it was, um, it's like terrifying that this is even a conversation, but there was, someone had put up a question of like, now that the light, it's getting darker, what does this limit you being able to do? And like this, the responses, responses, responses were unbelievable. Like women that used to go to the gym or like yoga classes after work now have to do it in the morning or have to find time to do it in the afternoon because they feel safer going to the gym. Um, I personally, like for a little while there was walking first thing in the morning to work uh, under like I was going under like a, a bypass and it was like an industrial estate. Mm-hmm. It was dodgy. Like, I mean, the the most scary thing I encountered was a dead rat, thankfully. But yeah. um, I don't, I wouldn't wear my headphones. I'm like super alert. Like I have my light ready on my phone and stuff. Like that's just, that's our tick box, like of mm-hmm. what we need to do when we're leaving. I know so many women that like when they're walking home from nights out, will put their keys in between their fingers, like as like some kind of weapon. 
because that's what we think we need to protect ourselves with. Remember, um, I'm losing track of them all, but one of the lockdowns, mm-hmm. one of the times when we were locked up yeah, um, and they closed gyms mm-hmm. and I saw people sort of complaining and I shared, I completely felt the exact same. I remember seeing somebody saying, and this is again to highlight my own just complete naivety and the importance for these conversations. Uh, women saying, or the government were saying, well, just go and work out in your local park. Mm-hmm. Women were like, well, no, that's yeah. not an option. And, I rem- and they're going, it's dark. And I remember going, stick the light on like your iPhone or something. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, that sounds stupid. There'll be people rolling their eyes and going, you moron. But it, my brain wasn't thinking in that sense because I've never hung about a park to try and, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, frighten anybody or, or get near anybody. So I don't like don't take this the wrong way, but that is just that is just your privilege as a man. No, totally. And it, and I'm not using that word in any other sense than you will never experience what a woman experiences mm-hmm. on a day to day basis because you've never had to think about it. Like people sort of um, they sort of like react horrified in a horrified manner when they hear the word privilege, but it's kind of similar to. You know, somebody, let's say a, a very wealthy person who can't understand somebody in universal mm. credit. And it's like, well, just go and put £20 on your electricity. Like, they cannot even think along those lines. Like, they just can't imagine. And it's similar as a guy. That's almost, that's completely beside the point. I think, like, it, the the word privilege I'm using in this situation is nothing to do with your background, your upbringing. Like, it's. No, I think ab- it's on it's, your lived experience. It, it's literally, you have never been. Um, prejudiced against or sorry I don't think I'm using the right word you have never had to been discriminated against purely based on your gender mm. you will never have experienced that have you ever experienced it in work in yes. terms of being prejudiced against and also being made to feel uncomfortable I've been made to feel uncomfortable multiple times in a workplace mm. I've like had to um, like report people for inappropriate behaviour. I've been spoken to inappropriately. When I worked in hospitality, that was the worst, is that I was told to wear certain things because I, it would help with sales. And so I think I, I remember that actually from when I was 16 as well and I started working in a shop. I was put in top... No, I'm not going to say that, sorry. I was put in... Um, like the main section mm-hmm. and um I would yeah I was told to flaunt myself that's I think that really at 16 yeah I'm, I'm not for a second saying I, yeah. I disbelieve you but it's just like how I, I don't care what the person in the shop looks because it's not going to f- impact when I'm wearing my stuff like when like that's such it's such a strange mindset but it probably does impact how some people do mm. how some people shop because I buy something to be able to speak to you yeah what, like I'm not saying that I'm spe- I think it's just being a woman like um when you see you go into a new environment whether it's work or stuff are you in a mindset of you're just is a case of not if but when you know that's kind of going to start or when that's going to happen like how how is that yeah a lot of the time I feel that there's bound to be a situation where somebody says something to me or, or says something that is going to, like yesterday even, I was 
chatting to someone and they were talking about a woman and they were like, oh, she needs to man up. It's like, what? I hate that phrase. Such a shit phrase. Was like, it makes up. no sense. And why? Like, I don't... Why does she need to... I, the phrase doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense whatsoever. Mm. Um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, being a woman on a daily basis and walking home or feeling unsafe, there'll be a lot of people listening and being like, well, I've never... I've never done that. I've never kind of mm-hmm. walked behind somebody or like followed them or that kind of thing. But maybe they've, uh, they're have they unaware that they've mm-hmm. made somebody feel that way. Like, I think that's a big, com- there's like loads of resources going about just now on how to help if you really are like eager to help make women feel safe. And a lot of the things are like hood down, headphones off or like headphones out mm-hmm. Um well, the, don't walk behind women yeah, across kinda, the street. Yeah. Don't run next to women. Don't run from behind a woman. Um, I know it sounds like the, a lot to think about. Cause that, like, um, that almost made me, that made me laugh there. Like yeah, I had to stifle uh-huh. a laugh. I, I get it. I, I understand, but. I don't find it. I, I, I totally understand the point, but that it seems so silly to me, but mm-hmm. I completely get it. If you hear footsteps, I mean, I've probably shit myself. I heard somebody running behind me. Mm-hmm let alone have, you know, having everything else to kind of contend with. And so therefore, <clears throat> it seems so silly to me. And I went to laugh thinking about, say, like, going to run, I don't know, you're going to run to catch a bus or a train or something. And how, you know, I'm kind of in my own wee world, forgetting, I'm not realising how that kind of would make somebody feel. And it's a, then a good thing to kind of bring up. They, they're not walking behind, I always, mm. across the road. Yeah. Even walking behind anybody. Like mm. It's really ominous, especially if you're walking at a similar pace. It's like, just mm. kind of go your other way. Yeah, definitely. I would just cross the street. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal or, or slow down and give that person plenty of space. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that you mentioned earlier when we we're talking about like being out, you know, if you notice something mm-hmm. as a man, if you notice anything suspicious, inappropriate, have the guts to say something. Mm-hmm. What? Well, how? How would you? Let's just say somebody was being um, inappropriate towards you, or quite visibly making you feel uncomfortable. What would be the ideal um, assistance or approach for? Let's say if it was me, if I'm sitting there, how best would you want me to react? Would you want me to say something to the guy, or to say something to you, or a mixture of both? I or do you think it's preference for everybody? It probably depends on what the situation is. Mm-hmm. I think if you see someone, say you're out in a bar, I'm trying not to maybe use alcohol-related ones, but if, if you are like out and you see someone getting chatted up and it's, it's it just doesn't seem um, quite right, mm-hmm. just go up and act as if you know the person and be like, your pals are over here, like, not not as like a saviour, but almost like, mate, I know this girl, we're going to move over here and then you can just leave her about her day. Mm. And if that person needs help, they will take it. Mm. That is hard for people to do. I suppose it's one you would have to But it's gauge. less aggressive. Yeah, you definitely would have to gauge what the situation is, mm. but it's less aggressive than going up to the guy and being like, mate, stop what you're doing because that's probably going to aggravate someone that's maybe not got the best intentions even more. Standards in society, you know, you see men being applauded for things that see women criticised and abused. For example, um, 
prop like sexual promiscuity. Mm-hmm. Like where a man gets high fived and a woman will be, you know, called you know, a whole list of disparaging names and terms. Um that is obviously a as a contributor to the sort of deepening of gender discrimination, but also on a, on a deeper level, um, to the sort of solidifying or perpetuation of that perceived role, or you know how, how a man sees himself in the world, and then how a woman should be. Like a man, I don't know, it should be more. Like a woman's more passive, while a man is mm-hmm. is more, you know, out to to get whatever. Um, are there any sort of things that are in the forefront of your mind? Uh, you know, examples of that, that that you can experience that maybe would seem less obvious? I know that's a tough question that I'm kind of throwing at you, but it's one that, I mean, I can't guess it or I can't sort of guess any answer. I think I can I can only speak from my own experience mm-hmm. in, in that sense of, I guess, dating and, yeah, like having sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think... As as a woman that's single, you're kind of still almost frowned upon to, you know, just enjoy yourself mm-hmm. and have the ability to because, again, you have to understand that men do feel somewhat entitled a lot of the time uh, to to you and to your body if you if you give them if you give them that. Am I making sense? No, I think you are. Don't worry. Like. I think if you go out with a guy and you have the intention of having sex with them, that's your intention. You give them consent. That's all fine. It's consensual consensual in both ways. That's the ideal, right? Most of the time that doesn't happen. And then if you have experienced sexual assault, there's always the question of like, well, were you drunk? Or... Um, were like, you wearing a where, thing? Yeah, where, like did did you give off the impression that you wanted it, or mm. and that is, I mean, that's something that is really like I'm is very close to my heart because I've experienced it multiple times where I've been put in a situation where it's like, yeah, but I mean, you were you were really drunk. So it doesn't change anything. It shouldn't mm-hmm. change anything. I mean, you saying that, did you give off the impression? That is that's yeah. that's crazy. That was it insinuated? Because no means no. And if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know many women that haven't been in situations where they've thought, I don't remember. Like imagine consent. Imagine like like a guy got um I don't know, smacked in the head with a hammer. Mm. And then somebody being like, yeah, but did you give off the impression that you kind of wanted smacked in the head with that hammer? Or, mm. I mean, I mean, were you wearing a helmet? Because if you weren't wearing a helmet, then, you know, your head's just there asking to be smashed in with that hammer. And you're like, it's that. Mm. And people be like, what? That's obscene. That's absurd. And you're like, well, it's kind of, it's the exact same logic is applicable to to the former. You know, mm. a, a woman having to sort of, ask those questions and again it's like that thing where you can retract consent at any time so like say you're out you're having a great time you kiss someone but then you get a bit too drunk you're not in a position to give consent Mm -hmm. but because the previous things have happened you've gone out you've had a great time that almost can be like 
default consent to a lot of people. Yeah, well, then, then that kind of comes brings us back round to the um, mm. you know the whole male sexual entitlement thing yeah. and thinking, well, I'm now entitled to this because mm-hmm. you know, it's happened once before, or um, you know we we've gotten to X point and now I'm going to just assume that you know the rest is a given when it's you know it's obviously not the case. And that even happens in marriages. Like it, it doesn't, it isn't just when you're dating or you're single. Like if you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage, that you're not, you don't belong to somebody and you don't have like, you don't sign a contract to be like, oh, consent's given at all times now just because we're together. Mm, Yeah. There has to be constant communication around that. I may be miles off it. I may be completely wrong and getting my timelines wrong, but I'm pretty sure like it, rape within a marriage wasn't a th- oh, wasn't yeah. considered a thing until relatively recently mm-hmm. i don't know the date I, you're you're totally right though it's a very recent thing that that has actually been acknowledged and mm-hmm. it's it happens all the time yeah um obviously things are moving on and mm. you know laws are kind of why say modernizing maybe coming into like this becoming more civilized um you know, in terms of that whole rape within a marriage thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the government and the police are kind of, um, do they're, they're coming up with things that they're, they're trying to do more. And that's what we've been talking about is they don't be that guy campaign. You can find out more information at www.that-guy.co.uk. There will be um, adverts and stuff that, that people will see. You'll see sort of more from that, that campaign. Uh, worth having a wee look you will find the relevant links if you want to have a look um to both one of the adverts and the the website and the episode notes i hate saying that it's such a podcast <laughs> cliche you find this in the episode notes but i need to tell people that's what it is um do you do you think more could be done though you know across the site of course it can but you know what would you like to see changed or, or what what sorry i'm totally tying myself up more and more to you what would you like to see kind of across the board to to help change attitudes and to help, I suppose, educate people? I think education is the key. I think making sure that from a very young age, men and women or boys and girls or mm-hmm. however you want to put it, are educated as to what is appropriate and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And we start to change the the stereotypes and yeah. the, I suppose, the archetypes of what, we believe men and women are because there's again the whole gender is becoming so much more fluid and whatever your beliefs are and that gender is becoming more fluid and I think like we've we've only spoken from a male and female perspective here but there's there's non-binary conversation as well which I personally don't have much experience in but I acknowledge that not everyone identifies as male or female and then that creates a whole other issue that needs to be educated around mm-hmm. as well. Conversation and, and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, is, yeah, we are speaking from the perspective of, of, of men and women. And I think to kind of just recap what we said, that there's a lot of assumptions made. And, you know, in the very, very bottom, lower end of the scale, they could be, you know, want to say harmless because it's not harmless but do you know what I mean by that in terms of somebody that doesn't have like some malicious sinister intent and it could be just through complete inexperience or just yeah never having listened to the experience of 
of their kind of opposite number, <clears throat> so to speak. So I think hopefully this conversation would go some way to, to helping that. Um, something I did want to talk about as well, pornography and its impact. Mm-hmm. I have got some pretty strong opinions actually okay. on it, but I wanted to, to, to know what you thought because I think, you know, in the focus, I suppose, of younger men, the sort of distorted ideas of normality, reality, what is kind of baseline stuff. Do you have much of a, an opinion or, or thought on pornography in general? Um, I think that there is ethical pornography, which portrays consent mm. and like a realistic view yep. of sex. Um, but general porn is pretty unrealistic, pretty damaging. Yeah. And... Um, glorifies rape culture Hmm. it's um i remember back in it must have been like 2010 or 11 Mm -hmm. and the tories had just come into power and one of the things they were talking about was either the banning of it or and that people thought that meant they just would no longer exist the more it would be more heavily regulated you would have to sign up or or however they were going to do it and i remember thinking like people will laugh and go i Aye, we believe you. But as somebody who's not a prime or hasn't, you know, not a pure avid consumer of it, but I even remember thinking back then and going, "That's a bit dystopian. Mm. You can't, you can't do that." And then I think over what the next eleven or so years, kind of thinking, "No, do you know what? That probably isn't such a bad thing because you've now you've got kids." There was a statistic. Um, I've lost it. <laughs> but it was a basically a statistic saying that now these days you've got people, you know, say a quarter, I'm pulling this number, I can't arbitrary number, but it's not far off. Say like a quarter of 11 to 13 year olds had accessed it and watched it. It's before their brains have developed, before they've even physically developed. They've mm-hmm. not really, they don't have a clue what they're watching and they're seeing things and they're then thinking, all right, yeah, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying about sort of rape culture or, some some really things that are just a million miles off of reality, and I think that is have that is a massive contributor to to um what well, and pick my words carefully to people getting it seriously wrong from a very young age, um, and I think that's probably a whole conversation in itself mm-hmm. that experts on the the matter need to have, but I think it's something that it needs to be addressed because it's it's contributing in a very damaging way. I think there's so many, yeah, there's so many different avenues you could go down in that conversation. But I also believe that the the consumerism of it is so polarized. And I think there's so many people who have access to it and it can be used in such a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it can also be used in such a negative, detrimental and damaging way that the regulation of it is... I don't even know where you I, would begin I with suppose, that. Yeah, see, now that you've said that, I suppose the regulation of it would be near on impossible. Mm-hmm. So the only then because, alternative would be education to the people who would then be consuming it because mm-hmm. I don't think people realise just how damaging it can be as well because I suppose you'll end up um, relying on it really heavily. Um, you're constantly then looking for that next level up on the dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is me. I'm speaking as a completely non-educated observer but that's just kind of how I see it and I think that's probably something that 
an uncomfortable conversation, but one that, that should be had across the board. And I mean, where to even begin? Because I, I was about to suggest um, people going to schools and, mm. and kind of talk about it, but I can already see the Daily Mail headline distorting the reality saying, Sicko wants porn stars and schools <laughs> to tell kids about porn. It's like, no, not what I said at all, but okay, on, on you go. I actually think the first step is to actually improve sex education in schools yeah, and I... make the conversation around sex normal because that's the problem. Because I remember, like, I was shamed about sex for, like, most of my life, like, my teens, because it was seen and portrayed as this, like, thing that was going to give you an SCI and then you were going to die, mm. right? And that's not just a mean girls thing. That's like kind of how a lot of us sort of thought of it. It was like this conquest that you had to like achieve, but you were probably going to like get some sort of disease from it or you were going to get pregnant, mm. right? And that's it really extreme. I take it you didn't extreme go to a castle school because <laughs> we never, I did and we never had any of those conversations. Mm. So you really are guessing. And I suppose that is a, a good point um, it brings us back again to the importance of education because mm. otherwise it's guesswork and then people are going to these young people are going to be curious and they're going to go and look at certain websites or look for their own thing and then what they're going to be presented with is this completely unrealistic dangerous damaging um catalogue of back catalogue of material and actually where we're on it this just came into my head the portrayal of women in pornography mm. is a very specific look um, and there's like body ideals or like ways that women believe that their genitalia should look or that they should be because of porn. And that's just, that's been filtered into our life, like with body hair or, you know, your, your, your choice of how, how you want to be and men's expectations of what it should be like what you should look like. Yeah, all all, contri- all contributors in their own way mm. take in everything that we've spoken about. Yeah. Um this this has been enjoyable. Mm. It's been good. It's been it's been informative for me anyway. I hope it has been for the person mm. listening. Have you how's it been for you? Yeah, you thank it? you. It's been great. Yeah, good conversation. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Um and thank you again for listening. As everything we've discussed and as mentioned, you'll find relevant links and stuff in the episode notes um, and look out for for further information I suppose the only thing left to say is thank you for listening Uh, thank you Robin for joining thanks and we'll be back with another episode of Blethered soon cheers Blethered was written recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine. And for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series, including Talk Media. You could start a fight in an empty house. Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on The Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.